Computer, initialize Holosuite. Star Trek Books. They've been around for decades. Join us, the Trek ladies, Kavora and Jen, as we discuss the novels one at a time. Welcome to the Ladies Trek Library. Hello, this is Kavora, and I'm here with Jen, and this is Ladies Trek Library. How are you, Jen? Hey, I'm doing good, Kibor. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So our book for this month is The Autobiography of Jean-Luc Picard, the story of one of Starfleet's most inspirational captains, and it says edited by David A. Goodman. This is a hardcover book, and I'll just read what's on the inside cover. The Autobiography of Jean-Luc Picard tells the story of one of the most celebrated names in Starfleet history. His extraordinary life and career makes for dramatic reading, court-martials, unrequited love, his capture and torture at the hands of the Cardassians. His assimilation with the Borg and countless other encounters make Jean-Luc Picard's tale a truly unforgettable one. Picard's logs and excerpts from his personal correspondences Give Picard's narrative further depth, and an eight-page color section highlights some of the key moments and relationships from his life. So this is an autobiography, so it's not exactly written the way a novel was. Um, what do you think about like the, the structure of this book? Yeah, so I had read uh, David A. Goodman's uh, book, The Autobiography of James T. Kirk, which came out before this one. Um, which is the same format. So it's basically a first-person point of view narrative starting, uh, in this case, with Picard um, as a child and you know going chronologically through his life until uh, the Enterprise and beyond. So definitely a different uh, format, but, uh, but I think it works pretty well. I mean, it is the way an, auto, an autobiography is, is usually written because I, I didn't read the one for Kirk, but I mean, but because I've read autobiographies, I mean, yeah, the way it just goes from, uh, from one thing to the next, it's, you know, not a continuous story like a novel. And, and the way it has editor's footnotes, that, that was pretty neat. That kind of made it more realistic, didn't it? Yeah. The editor's footnotes were a little funny at times, pointing out the, some things that, uh, Picard had, uh, you know, some erroneous things that he had said or things that he didn't remember correctly. So that, that was funny. And, and a funny story about, well, not this book in particular, but the autobiography of James T. Kirk is at my local library. And I don't know if the librarian did this on purpose to be funny or they, whoever was doing the cataloging really didn't know anything about Star Trek, but it's actually, when I went to get the book, it's filed in the autobiography section with the author being Kirk, not not in the science fiction <laughs> section with David A. Goodman being the author. So, but because the, yeah, if they didn't know Star Trek, I guess they were going by what it says on the book because the book does say edited by instead of written by David A. Goodman. Yeah. So it could have been I don't know, or or it could have been someone who was a Star Trek fan that was just sort of trying to, you know, keep the fantasy going. I guess. So okay. yeah, I, I think the uh, the format worked well for this. Uh, book and I think the author really um, 
captured Picard's voice very well. So I was, I was really happy with it. And having read the Kirk one, I also thought he did a good job capturing Kirk. And I wondered, would he be able to change voices to uh, do Picard so well, you know, being that he's totally different character than Kirk. And uh, I, I think he did. I think he did a great job with it. I do too. I, I do think um, that I, that I could hear Picard in this. So, um, and what do you think about like some of the, like the best scenes in this book because it kind of went from scene to scene telling a little bit happened here and there yeah um well so the majority of the book is picard's time prior to being on the enterprise d because he was in his late 40s early 50s you know when he took command of the enterprise d so majority of his life was actually before that um so what i liked was the time, the parts of the book, which actually was probably like two thirds of it prior to being on the enterprise, um, when it really has a narrative flow. So it's, you know, these are uh, stories that we haven't heard. Um, in, in a couple instances, he might've pulled a little from an episode here or there where, uh, you know, Takara talked about his brother or an incident on the stargazer. Um, but by and large, they're all unique, uh, new, stories and it follows a narrative so you feel like you're you know right there along with Picard experiencing all these things um and I I really couldn't pick one scene that was my favorite I would just say the entire portion up to the time on the Enterprise D was kind of like my favorite part of the book because there were so many good scenes throughout his life from the time he was a child um you know aspiring to be a captain um to Starfleet Academy to uh, the first ship that he was on, which I already forgot the name of. I should have written it down. Um, the ship that he was briefly on and then the Stargazer. Um, there's so many good. Yeah, I think it, it was Reliant. I mean, I had it written down, so, but yeah. So what about you? Did you have any uh, favorite scenes? There was, I mean, like, like I know one th- one thing that stuck out to me was when he went to Spock's wedding I mean, okay, so, you know, on the show, they did say that Picard went to Sarek's son's wedding. So so what happened here was, you know, Picard was a young ensign or a cadet. I think it was it was right at that time when he was just um, finishing up the academy. When he went to the wedding and he, he couldn't see who Spock was marrying, I think he, he knew that it was a, a human, but she was wearing a veil and when the, the person that was officiating the wedding said that the name of the woman that Spock was marrying and Picard couldn't hear the name because someone coughed, I just thought that was hilarious. I mean, like, so that's how the author got away with, with not saying who Spock married because that would have just caused ripples in fandom, I guess. Yeah, that was actually really funny, and I loved how he, he got around that issue. And um, I listened to an interview with the author about this book, and um, – one thing he said was, because, you know, in some of the novel verses, Spock has married Savick, um, and he said that he specifically chose uh, a human because he felt like um, Picard having mentioned that uh, he was at the wedding, that he didn't feel that there would be uh, Starfleet guests at a Vulcan wedding. You know, we've seen what a Vulcan wedding is. It's not like uh, usually a ceremony like we have on Earth where, you know, open to a lot of people in public so he felt like it must have been a human woman so that's why he went with that so i thought that was a an interesting choice and and also how he you know conveniently doesn't 
has her face hidden, so so we don't know who she is. Yeah, and but then you still have to think that Picard would have gone back later and looked it up in Starfleet records or something. But <laughs> but but that, but it is good the way he handled it in this book. And yeah, you're right. I didn't think of that at the time. He probably went back and looked it up. But, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that's what we would do now. We would just Google it. But yeah. And another thing I thought was interesting was Picard's um, first assignment. Once he finished the academy, the, this book said he was, well, of course, we know he had the incident with the Nausicaan. So he had the artificial heart. And it says because of that, he, he didn't get to go on the ship that he had originally been assigned to because they they had to leave without him. They couldn't wait for all of his recovery time. So um, Picard became a science officer, a junior science officer on a ship. So basically he was like the, you know, the, the alternate timeline in the episode Tapestry where Picard didn't have the incident with the Nausicaan and he became a science officer. But in that reality, he stayed a science officer and never became a captain. But I just thought it was interesting that even in, in this, you know, what we call the correct timeline, he still started off as a science officer. It's just that he uh, rose up quickly because he was such a good officer. Yeah, and it was interesting, too, because he wasn't supposed to be on the Reliant. He was supposed to be uh, on, was it? Was it the Enterprise C or they were supposed to be on another ship, but because of the incident with the Nausicans, he ended up, you know, uh, being injured and uh, recovering for a, a month or two. And he missed his opportunity to be on the other ship. So then he had to take the Reliant was kind of like uh, the only job he could find at that point. Um, so it wasn't his first choice, but but ended up you know, working out to be uh, something good for him. And um, another interesting thing was, you know, he so in the book he does marry Beverly Crusher, and and what what was cute though was we find out he invited Q to the wedding, and Q actually came but did not make a scene at the wedding. Can you believe that? <laughs> yeah, that was another great scene. Q in the wet, in disguise at the wedding. That that was pretty cool. I know there's been another, and I never read it, You Were Cordially Invited, which is supposed to be about Picard and Beverly's wedding, but uh, I haven't read that one, so I don't know, uh, you know if it has any similarities. Right. Yeah, I didn't read that one, but I hope to sometime. I used to read all the Q books. I just didn't get to that one. Um, oh, oh, and how cute, and you know, the, uh, the introduction to this book was supposed to have been written by Beverly, but then, but you saw how it, it got interrupted by Q, and <laughs> that was funny, too. Yeah, well, I will say one thing about the introduction. And overall, I really liked this book a lot. Um, I, I really thought it was very good. But I, there were, like, three issues I had with it. One being the introduction with Beverly. I don't know. It just, to me, it didn't feel like her words. It seemed kind of overly sappy and not something I felt like Beverly was saying. But it was pretty short. And as you said, Q interrupts it. Um, calling it drivel. Um, so that was pretty funny. Um, I also thought, just because we're talking about Beverly, it seemed like in the book they made her a lot younger than she was on the show. Now, I mean, I know on the show that she was younger than Picard, but it seemed like they made her like significantly younger than him than, than she is in canon. Um, and, and same thing with Troy. Um, so that was just one sort of thing that I noticed, that the ages didn't seem to line up. But, but that was pretty minor. Okay. Yeah, that was interesting. No, no, I didn't really think about that. Um, 
But yeah, Picard was, well, well, Picard rose through the rings pretty quickly, right? But still, but yeah, the fact that he, yeah, he was already of command rank while these other people were still just starting out. You're, you are right. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, because in this book, when Picard first meets Beverly, uh, he meets her through Jack Crusher, who's on his ship, uh, the Stargazer. And uh, Jack is, you know, dating Beverly. And Jack is, uh, you know, appears from the book to be in his early 20s, maybe mid-20s. And Beverly is still at the Academy. So she's, you know, even younger than Jack. So it just seemed a little odd to me. But, um, but I did like how, um, you know, it showed how Picard and um, Beverly and Jack Crusher all you know, became friends and, and their early relationship. I, I did like that. I mean, yeah, because that's something that, that you would have expected in this book. But I do think that it, w- it was handled very well, the way their relationships and how they became friends. And, and Picard, you know, falling in love with Beverly because we know that that happened. And, and, and yes, that was um, written very well. Well, do we want to move into the worst uh, scenes in it? Or do we have more best ones I want to talk about? Um, no, that's it. What did you want to say for worst? Well, I didn't think that there was like necessarily a worst scene, but I felt that this book kind of struggled in the same way that the James T. Kirk autobiography did in that once it caught up to where, uh, when Picard's on the Enterprise D, which is what we had seen on the show, the narrative became very choppy because it was no longer a flowing narrative of him telling the story of what's happening for someone who doesn't know what's happening. It kind of assumed at that point that the reader had seen all of these episodes and not just seen them, but you know, for many of these episodes, I hadn't, haven't seen them in a long time. Um, so I maybe didn't remember all the details, but it just felt very choppy where it would just be like, Oh, here's some bonus material to this TNG episode and give a few paragraphs about what happened in Picard's mind or behind the scenes. And it, it, the narrative didn't flow anymore as a narrative. It was just kind of like little snippets added on to episodes that we, you know, the author presumed that the, the reader had seen. So that, to me, I, I felt like even if the reader has seen these things, I don't think anyone would have minded, you know, having a more complete narrative where he summarizes a little bit more about what's happening and on the episode and then adds in the extra stuff instead of it just moving, oh, and then this happened, uh, it, you know, and you're supposed to know what's going on. Because a couple of times I did have to go and look on uh, Memory Alpha because I was like, oh, I don't, you know, it's been a long time since I've seen that episode. I don't remember exactly, you know, what happened or all the specific details. That was really my only issue with the book was that that part of it, which only was maybe about, a third or a fourth of the book. So it wasn't, you know, it was just not the majority of it, but I just felt like it could have been done better. Okay. I mean, that is how I felt too. When, when the book, when the book, once it got up to, to Picard being in command of the enterprise, we pretty much know what happened. And so the book kind of went, you know, a paragraph here about the Borg and a paragraph there, um, what, what the author could have done was, was describe something in more detail from Picard's point of view and telling more things that, that we didn't know about, about that episode. But he chose not to do that. So all we got was a summary of, of the episodes almost. Yeah, I agree. He did give a little snippets of what Picard felt, but it, it just felt 
very choppy and you know just not as well done or flowing as well as the earlier chapters so and then the next part is like how so how do you think this uh fits into canon i mean i think it it fit pretty well with the things that were already established about picard yeah i think it uh fit as far as yeah canon you know being just stuff on screen it fit very well um i thought he you know did an excellent job um, filling in the background based on just small snippets that we've got especially about Picard's early life, um, you know, with his brother, we really only had the, the one episode, maybe the second one, where we, you know, get a insight into their relationship. Um, and it, it all felt very Picard, and it all felt believable in that it fit in with the canon well. I think it did fit in well. Um, and, and you know, talking about his brother, I like like when when Picard and his brother were young, and and you know, and and their parents were there. And since we, like, we don't really know what his parents look like, except for, like, one episode showed an image of his mother, but it was when she was much older. I, I pictured, um, like, in this book, like, when Picard's father was there, I pictured Picard looking like Picard's brother, Robert, and I pictured Picard's mother looking like um, Robert's wife, Marie. Did you do that, or was that just me? No, I didn't, I... I kind of tried to imagine Robert as younger, um, but I didn't really, like, when I was reading the parts about his parents, I kind of didn't have any image in my mind of what they looked like. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, for some reason, I just had to picture them as characters that I had already seen that were Picard's family. Um, <laughs> but um, what one thing I, I did notice that that contradicted canon was, was just the uniforms, because he... They describe the uniforms and also there's the pictures in the middle of the book. But the, I, I mean, on the show, Jack Crusher actually wore the, um, the monster maroon uniform instead of the ones, the TNG jumpsuit from first and second seasons. And the, the, the book seems to think that they wore the, you know, the TNG uniforms back then. So that's the only thing I really noticed. I mean, and that's minor, but you know. And I yeah, just, that, that is very perceptive of you because I'm looking at that picture right now and, you know, I had never even occurred to me, but you're totally right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, and, I'm not, and maybe he just did that on purpose. I don't know, but, um, but, but the pictures were great. I mean, the, they had pictures in the middle of the book, which I was not expecting because I didn't read that, that inside cover until just now. But, um, but yeah, that, you know, the picture of Picard and his brother when they were kids and then the picture of the the older Picard and Picard with uh, Samuel Clemens. All of those were great pictures. Oh, and the the wedding invitation, it had a picture of Picard and Beverly's wedding invitation. Yeah, and the um, the little, there's like a flyer for Shadows of Catan, an evening of music and discourse with Captain Jean-Luc Picard in 10-4, you know, where he's playing the... Uh, I don't know what the instrument is called, the recorder that he plays in that episode. The flute. The flute. I, I called it a flute, right? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that was great too. Yes. I mean, and the reference to uh, that story in the book was good too, talking about Catan. Oh, well, I do want to go back because I just thought of something. I do, I think I do have like a favorite scene that just occurred to me now as I was flipping through the book and I was reminded of it. Um, okay. 
I and, and looking at the picture of Picard with Samuel Clemens is what made me think of it. Um, just the scene where he uh, meets Guinan for the first time, um, and she recognizes him because, of course, for her, they had met several hundred years prior when he travels back in time, but for him that hasn't happened yet. And so he says, oh, did, do we know each other? And she said, no, but we will. Um, so that was really neat how they, uh, you know, how he got to meet Guy. That was a good, a good section, I thought. Yeah, that was good. And that was interesting the way they met, too, about um, her husband had just died and he had to go see her. Um, and, and that does make me think of something else about this book. The way it, so in Picard's early years, he worked with these people in Starfleet who weren't really the best officers and, and almost didn't care either. I mean, it was an interesting, um, aspect of Starfleet that we don't get to see on the show. Yeah. Um, it, that was a neat scene and I kind of knew it was going to be, I just had a feeling he goes down and his, you know, his uh, crew member has died or his, his actually his captain has died and he has to deliver the news to the captain's ex-wife who's the person named in the will and, and he goes down and I just had a feeling and it was Guinan. And uh, so that was a pretty great scene. And then, you know, there are other scenes in the book where they cross paths again. Um, Guinan is tending bar um, and, you know, it sort of all comes together, uh, how she eventually ends up tending bar at 10 forward. Um, so the scenes with her throughout the book were, were all very good. And so, um, how does this fit into other novels? Because I know there are other novels that have, um, mentioned Picard or even, you know, like the, the way, uh, Kirk's, uh, autobiography was structured, I do know that I I also I just read The Buried Age which was another Picard prequel and that book had it it started with the Battle of Maxia and has the story up until Picard took command of the Enterprise so so it paralleled some of the years that of Picard's life that, that were in this book but it was really a very different story it said something completely different happened I mean since the buried age, I guess, was a separate novel, it had to be like, it had this story involving Picard that was very epic and, you know, a save the galaxy kind of thing, which doesn't happen in this book during those years. But, um, how do you feel this book fits in with other novels? Yeah, well, in that, um, although I had realized it myself just from the research that I had been doing, but, um, in the interview that I heard, uh, with the author, he, he did say that he, I don't think he's read most of the novels in the novel verse. I mean, he's, he's only written this book and the autobiography of James T. Kirk. So he's not like a regular novel writer. Um, so I don't think he's read most of the novels and he just said he didn't, he just put his own slant on it that he wasn't, you know, he knew other people had touched on some of the stories and, but he focused on what was on screen only. Um, I, I have not read the star, Stargazer series, um, but I mean, I know from the research that I've done, it, it totally contradicts uh, Stargazer. Um, and there were a couple other scenes in there that, and I can't think of specific books, but I, there were a couple of times where I was like, oh yeah, this is totally different than in the novel verse, um, especially with his relationship with Beverly. Um, although they do marry in the novel verse, the, the whole relationship is very different than it was in, in this book. Okay. That's interesting. Um, well, well, I, I do know that in the comic books, 
You, you know that. So the scene in this book where they had um, Picard becoming an ambassador, he goes to Vulcan. That that was actually in the comics. And what I understand is this was that was in a comic called a, a series called Countdown, which had the events leading up to the 2009 movie. And and that actually was declared canon, which I think is why it was in this book. So so there actually is part of that that's like, oh oh, like one of the comic book series they decided to make canon, and and he put it in this book to have it part of Picard's life. I just thought that was interesting. Oh, see, I wasn't aware of that because I don't, I have not read any of the comics at all, so I'm not familiar with all the, you know, stuff happening there. So that's interesting. Um, he didn't. I don't. I, I have to listen to the interview again, but I, I don't recall him saying anything about the comics. But could be that he'd read them. I mean, obviously, it doesn't take long to read those compared to reading the whole novel verse. So that's interesting. Yeah, or maybe they told him to put it in or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that could be. Could be that he was told to put it in. I know he mentioned there's like a brief scene that's. Uh, has to do with um, the uh, with discovery. There's something with really, and I can't even remember what it was. It was like really tiny, and I was like, oh, kind of uh, something that has to do with discovery. I think it might have been about the holograms. Um, you know how they had holograms uh, for communication instead of just the the view screen. So he's he's obviously seen discovery, but of course, since that doesn't really follow the card. But, you know, maybe he included not just that, but uh, some of the comics. I'll have to listen to that again and, and see. Okay. So what did you think about, um, so we can go ahead and give away spoilers. What about the end and Picard being alone at the end? Yeah, that was kind of interesting. Um, I mean, because Beverly and Picard do get married, Um as in the novel verse, but it's, it's very different because uh, Beverly becomes captain of another ship, and um, while Picard uh, becomes an ambassador to Vulcan, um, it went right after their first marriage, so they're not living together. They they only have, I think it mentions at some point that they, they only see each other, you know, maybe a few times over a few years, and then um, and then he retires to, to his vineyard on Earth, and uh, Beverly's still you know, uh, on her ship. Um, so it's kind of a, I mean, he, he, the last sentence of the book is for me, I'm happy making my father's wine. So he seems to be content, but, but it was a bit sad to see that, you know, two people who spent so long, you know, we're waiting for so long for them to get together and then they, they get married and they're not really together. It seemed kind of sad. It, it does. I do think Beverly should have been with him in the end. Um, I mean, the thing is, she's a doctor, so it just, I mean, and, and in real life, we know doctors who, who still work past retirement age. So, so it just seems like Beverly could have come back to, to Earth and still have her own practice on Earth. And the book does mention that with transporters, they can go anywhere, anytime. So she could set, set up an office anywhere and still come back to Picard, you know, every night so they could be together. That, that's what it seems like. Yeah, and you know, a lot of Star Trek, I think, is guilty of this um, in that they always want to make the characters moving up in rank, even when it doesn't necessarily make sense. And uh, my parents have two good friends who are, they're now retired, but they were both doctors in the Navy. And I think they both got uh, to the rank of something around captain, they were officers, but 
But as doctors, they, they don't ever command a ship. You know, it doesn't make sense. You don't, you're not a doctor in command of a ship. That's a totally different job, right? So in the same right, way that yeah. the commander of a ship is in a doctor. So it, it was a little odd that if they kind of, you know, and they did that in TNG a bit with Deanna Troy, like, oh, she's wanting to take more command duties and kind of like, oh, maybe I could see it, but, you know, she's a counselor and, you know, and then another thing they did was how they had made, um, and this was a little more logical, but still when, when they made uh, Christine Chapel, you know, she, she went from being a nurse to a doctor, I guess because people think, oh, people got to keep moving up, even though it doesn't really make sense to me that, you know, I have nurses in my family. If you, if you want to be a doctor, you study to be a doctor. If you want to be a nurse, you know, I don't know nurses who start, you know, start out as a nurse and then, oh, I'm going to keep moving up and become a doctor. I mean, it's not impossible, but they're different things. Right, it's it's a different career path. You're right. Yeah, people don't usually use nursing as a stepping stone to becoming a doctor. You're, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but but for Picard, it and it's also interesting in this book that he. I mean, you see how he went full circle. He came back to to working to to working the vineyards, and, and I guess the author got that idea because in the the last episode, all good things in the future which is sort of a projected future that's not necessarily what is going to happen. But in the future, Picard was working in the vineyard. So I guess he got that the idea from that. And I kind of justify it in my mind by saying, well, there, I mean, at this point, Picard was 90. He was old and he was probably, you know, he was tired of command, but he still wanted to do something. If he was still able to, to use his body to, to make the wine, then then that was something that at least kept him occupied. And so he was satisfied doing it in his old age because he, he didn't really want to, you know, gallivant across the galaxy anymore. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's plausible, I guess, at that point, because he's, you know, he's that old. But like you said, it did seem odd that Beverly was still off commanding her ship while her husband's alone on earth. That's just a little sad. Um, and I guess they're going to, I, uh, I know that's on the, want to talk about that too um but at, at least the part about the vineyard looks like from what we've seen that's going to be happening in the new card show although it seems like it'll be happening when he's much younger than he is in this book uh yeah if you want to talk about that now i i i did notice that in the trailer that that, that they showed the vineyard but it, but it was really just, you know, I think it was one scene. So we don't really know if, um, if a Picard is going to stay in the vineyard during that whole, uh, Picard series. Well, I, I saw in the trailer where apparently, you know, he's retired and, you know, seven of nine comes to try to convince him to, um, take command of the ship again. And at least for that series, I mean, we'll see how it is when it comes out. I did feel like, wow, he's, you know, because in the book, by the time he retires in the vineyard, as you said, he's like in his 90s. Um, but in the Picard series, he won't be that old. So it didn't seem a little odd to me in the in the series that he may have already retired to the vineyard. Um, since, you know, I don't know. I guess I just never thought of that as something that he wanted to do, especially that young. But Well, right, especially because, the I mean... <laughs> I mean, the book said he, he didn't want to do it. I mean, when he was younger, you know, he never wanted to do what, what his father and his brother did. 
but he had to when he was a child and he, you know, to him it was a chore. It was, and it was really something he didn't want to do. But, um, but yeah, as we get older, we do find we have other interests and things like that. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, how, how that part of this, you know, how the card series, um, if it in any way is similar to, you know, this book as far as what happens um, to Picard after, you know, after Nemesis and, and all that, since we don't, we don't have that on screen in canon. I don't think the author had any, yeah, because that show wasn't in the works when he wrote this book for a couple of years. So. Yeah, this was written, well, I think it came out in 2018, but, but yeah, because, and, and it's another thought that, you know, how the, the autobiography of Spock was supposed to be released this year, but they put it off. And we have to think that they're they're rewriting it because of all the the stuff that was added to to Spock's character on Discovery, and so that had to happen with with Spock. But the timing for this book it came out before they knew they were going to make the Picard series, or else this book might have been uh, put off another year or two because of the Picard series. Yeah, so it, a lot of it may be made non-canon, and he may have to rewrite it. Oh no, terrible. <laughs> and yeah, they'll say this was about an alternate universe Picard or something. Well, the novels are canon, so you know. That that's true yeah, too. Okay. But uh, I I mean not related to this book in particular, but I I mean from what we've seen just of the trailer um and the little notes that I've seen the card series it seems like he's not with Beverly. And that does make me a little sad because we've gotten used to that in the novel universe um you know and on the show we knew that they were in love with each other so i guess we'll just have to see i'm pretty sure gates mcfadden we haven't heard anything that she's coming back so it doesn't sound like she's going to be a part of it yeah we haven't heard that she's coming back even though we've heard some of the other people are going to be on it so yeah and they and they probably will mention her they probably will say what happened to her and it's probably just that she's you know head of starfleet medical or something like that yeah so, um, overall thoughts about this book. Well, well, I do want to say that I like the author's, um, bio, his own, uh, writing credits. He wrote for Golden Girls, which is funny. I mean, we both like that show. I know we've mentioned that. And, um, and he wrote for The Simpsons. Well, no, not The Simpsons. Family Guy and American Dad. And he's, he said that he, um, he said that due to Seth MacFarlane, he got to meet Patrick Stewart. I, I just thought that was interesting. I, I know how it how it must have happened because that show American Dad was a Seth MacFarlane cartoon, and I used to love American Dad. Patrick Stewart did a um, I mean you may already know this, but he he did a um a voice on it. It was recurring, but he played the head of the CIA, and they actually made his character look like Patrick Stewart. He was wearing a suit, you know, so he didn't look like Picard, but he looked like Patrick Stewart, and he was just, I mean, he was really great on that show. Anyway, so I think this writer is obviously a good writer because he's done some good shows. Yeah, and I know he's, it said, um, I read that he did the um, the Star Trek episode for Futurama, which I have not seen, but my friend who's a Star Trek fan has been, like, nagging me for years. You have to watch this episode, and I still haven't gotten around to it. Oh yeah, Futurama's good. Have you seen it? Um, yeah, I mean, Futurama actually had several episodes 
where they referred to Star Trek. So I'm I'm not sure yet exactly which episode this is, but I probably did see it. <laughs> I think it was one where there was like the heads of the different Starfleet captains. Okay. Well, I mean, having heads on Futurama was also a common thing, but I mean, oh. but yeah, having a head of Leonard Nimoy, that was, that was pretty good too. They did that. And, but yeah, Futurama was a funny show. And, and it's interesting that this writer has written so much, uh, he's, so he's written comedy TV shows and this book, you know, it wasn't, I mean, it had funny stuff in it, but it was, it was not a, a comical book. Yeah, it did have, it, I mean, yeah, as you mentioned, not a comedy, but it did have some humorous moments in there. Um, and I agree. I I think it was a really good book. Um, the flow was really good. I mean, I if I had had the time, I kind of sat down and just read it straight through because the story just kept me interested. Um, and I, as I mentioned before, I think he captured Picard's voice so well. Um, I, I do think he... He knew Picard pretty well. I mean, I think he he got all of that right. Um, so so overall, we both thought it was a good book, right? It was it's worth reading. Yeah, it's definitely worth reading. Um, I know that it may contradict some of the novel verse, um, so that might disappoint some people, especially the I mean, the section on the Stargazer is a pretty long section, um, but I, I think it was so well done and how it sets up how he meets um, all of the people who will later serve with him on the Enterprise. Um, so that was really neat. Um, you know, he briefly meets Troy and uh, LaForge and Warp. And uh, so those were all little neat things. Um, so definitely recommend for TNG fans. It's a, a really great read. Thanks for listening. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and join our Facebook group. Live long, and may the Force be with you. Nanu Nanu. This show is brought to you by Sweet Media. Computer, list other available Sweet Media programs. Loading Sweet Preview Program 4, The Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. And I think we need to have a little bit of nudity in this episode too. <laughs> The I'm down for that. Wait, wait a minute. Specify the nudity and who? No, Neelix, of course. No, thank you. Good day, sir. <laughs> what if if Doctor Pell finds out a way to do it, and then mm-hmm. however that happens, they get split up. All right, but okay. Chakotay still has the phage. Yes, but in Tuvok's info dump. What if Tuvok knows how to solve the phage? But they secure the phage. Secure the phage. But the only way to do that is to go to the Resolution's planet. They go to New Earth? They go to New Earth and Chakotay is beamed down, but something goes wrong with the transporter and Janeway Mm -hmm. is beamed down on there as well. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Random Trek Review, a Star Trek Review Podcast. Who knows? I mean, what's the worst that happens? They all have a terrible experience and you, you learn that, okay, maybe there's nothing we can really do to to get these people to work better. And, you know, you go from there. Or aliens shear off the side of the Delta Flyer and they all die a horrible death in space. I mean, that could happen too. <laughs>
Yeah, that's also possible. But then I guess, I mean, you'd have a whole new problem, but that would solve the problem of three underperforming crew members. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, The Expanse, an Enterprise Podcast. We've talked previously about gratuitous, yeah, you know, just showing off Jolene Blaylock's bits and pieces, really, for no reason. That is one of them, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, I'm a male, so that stuff is, at least at this time, was mostly targeted at me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say that she has not got an incredible physique, because she, she does. Obviously, she does. But yeah. whenever I see those moments now, I just think, God, oh, so unnecessary. And I feel bad for Jolene. You know, like, did she get a choice? Did she mind? If she didn't mind, then I guess who cares? But that was really revealing, that shot through the sheet. It just seemed unnecessary. You didn't need that. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.